Verizon brings you Pay It Forward Live, a weekly live stream featuring big names in entertainment to support small businesses. Tune in every Tuesday and Thursday on at Verizon's Twitter or Twitch, Yahoo and Fios Channel 501 at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Hi. Hi, everybody. Welcome to This Feels Terrible, the podcast. I'm your host, Erin McGathy. This is a podcast about relationships and love and the world. Um, this week on the podcast, I have uh, the... Um, I want I want to call him I called him the godfather of Twitter on uh, godfather of Twitter I called him the godfather of podcasts on Twitter and I and I was uh, swiftly cor- corrected because someone was like well he actually didn't like start podcasts which is not what I was saying um, but I think that uh, I still think godfather is an appropriate title for Mark Maron he's um, his approval means a lot uh, if you want someone killed in the podcast community you come to him or rather if you want a show to die that's not true uh he's very supportive of other people which is another reason why he's awesome um mark Marin is a huge inspiration to me i kind of talked to him about this during the podcast but he um i i started listening to when i started listening to podcasts i started listening to them pretty obsessively i uh, i had a car that that blew up essentially. And I had a two hour bus ride to and from work every day and listened to podcasts. And Mark Marin became a very important person in my life. And then he came and did the live version of this show before it was a podcast. And, uh, and now he's on the podcast, which is really exciting. Um, if you've, uh, you'll notice, uh, in this podcast, in this interview, there are a lot of giggles. It's not, you know, it's not overwhelming. But when I, I listen to uh, the podcast and I, uh, you know, some sometimes I laughed at jokes that weren't really jokes, almost like, uh, you know, a giggly girl would laugh at a uh, the way a giggly girl would laugh at a quarterback on a football team. That's not to say that Mark Marin makes jokes and then I, I laugh for no reason. I just, I'm nervously laughing, laughing. See, I'm getting nervous thinking about the interview. Guys, for this interview, I put on a dress and lipstick, which I don't think I've ever done for a podcast. I've, I, I, I try not to look uh, like a, like a piece of garbage when, when people come over to record the podcast, but I do record the podcast from my house. So sometimes I just am wearing like what I'm wearing right now, which is uh, unzipped. I was too lazy to zip up my Ugg boots. Um, I have Ugg boots with zippers to tell you how cool and LA I am and like a hoodie and uh, sweatpants. Uh, speaking of my sweatpants, just got back from the chiropractor, uh, which the, the my first time going to the chiropractor about a month ago, I hurt my back um, or my back started hurting rather. And like over the last three weeks, it's gotten so bad that I can't like stand for long periods of time and I can't go to Pilates. You know what I can do? I can drink more and I can get fatter. That's, those are two things that I have 
under control, you guys. No one's ever going to be worried about me not eating or drinking enough. But uh, so it's just gotten worse and worse. And I've never been to a chiropractor before. I went to the chiropractor today and he examined my spine and he was like a he was a very cool, like holistic chiropractor. He told me that this stress, it's it's been bubbling inside of me for a really long time. And he 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 touched different vertebrae and they meant different things. And I don't know, I feel like a new a new woman. He his name is Dr. Phil and he's he's gonna make me better, you guys. And he was he was so sweet and just so considerate and his, uh, I think his, he has a picture of his partner up on his shelf and he looks just like Todd Berry, which is really comforting. Um, it was awesome. I got my spine adjusted. If you've ever done that before, he had a little like machine. He didn't like use his hands or anything. It was awesome. But speaking of sweatpants, I discovered when I got home that I have a huge hole in the ass of my pants. Uh, so I was on my stomach for a full hour with and my just a big, Whole just that what the cheek, one of my cheeks just shining up at, uh, and believe me, they're shining because my skin is translucent, um, shining up at Dr. Phil while, uh, he asked me questions about uh, stress. So, I mean, it probably informed his treatment of me. Uh, the, the fact that like I, I can't feel my, a hole in my pants or I'm, I'm I need to pull it together. Anyway, um, Mark Marin on the show this week, extra giggly, extra excited, very, uh, I had a hard time not, um, I don't know, just seeming like a huge mess. Uh, but it was great. It was really great. It was a fun interview. I told, it starts out with a story of how I used to have a crush on him, which I, I think, uh, is fine. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I'm saying that. Ugh. I'm nervous talking about this interview, but it was great. Um, I also want to tell you that Mark Marin is, uh, he has a new book that is coming out very soon. It's now available for pre-order called Attempting Normal. And it's going to be coming out on April 30th. And it looks great. It's available for pre-order, like I said. And also, he has a new IFC show. It appears and premieres on May 3rd at 10, 9 central on IFC. And uh, obviously keep on listening to his awesome podcast, Dick Fit and Dyke was just a guest, which was pretty exciting. Um, also, uh, and this is just my own embarrassment. It's not a big deal, but I reference his one person show called Scorching the Earth. But I said Scorch the Earth. He corrects me. And then again, I say Scorch the Earth. So... I don't know. I guess I'm just asking you to not stop liking me because I didn't correct my speech. I know that's dumb. Anyway, also, big announcement in the commercial of the show. Um, so stay tuned for that. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and let's get terrible. Hi. Hi. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. It's very nice. There's a fire going. Mm-hmm. Should I take my shoes off? Uh, if you feel, if that's what you'd like to do. I think there's a fire. I feel like maybe we should have some hot chocolate or something. Okay. Let's stop. Dustin, stop later? the Could podcast. We go skiing? I feel like I'm at a lodge of some kind. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm just at a nice house. 
Well, imagine that we're snowed in, so you can't leave the house. So we just have to like make okay. do, right, dust so, off old video games or old uh, oh, old okay. board games. That'd be great as long as it's not like we have to talk for six hours until we get power back or something. Not that I don't want to talk to you for six hours, but okay, we can, okay six, <laughs> six hours is fine if that's what you want to do. <laughs> Let's go for it. Um, so I. I uh, am very excited to have you on the podcast, mm. and I, <laughs> I uh, wanted to to start the podcast because uh, I have a lot of I have a lot of questions for you. I don't typically our listeners know that like it's all very um, I don't want to say silly, but I can be silly. Yeah, yeah, I'm wearing a hat that's kind of silly, but I, I was kind of silly. No, when I came over, it was serious, but I just decided it's now a silly hat. It looks, uh, it looks very, uh, rent Mark's wearing a hat. That's like a, like a beanie, but it looks like he's a character in the musical rent from like 1995. It's a little, I don't know what just happened, but I feel like uh, she took a shot at me. Am I wrong? Was the shot taken? <laughs> no, like, no, I, no. I don't, I don't know if that was what I was going for. Like, I want to look rent 1995. You look like one of the cooler characters from rent. It's still 1995 where you're it's living in your metaphor. Yeah. I'm a little outdated. It's, it's all right. It's okay. Fine. I can take it. I can yeah. take the hit. It does. Uh, I don't know if this relationship is going well. Is it between me? <laughs> Do you want to start with that? I, then, I'm already on the defensive. Now I'm trying to figure yeah. out, like, how can I hurt her? Right. You know? Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like I can bring it back. Oh, good. I think I'm very. Better charm uh, me. You better charm me. They, they, they say I'm charming. Okay. That's my, and vulnerability. I'm, I'm, go, I'm going to win you over. I, and they, you already have. Yay. That was a while Thanks. Ago. That's a podcast. All right. Good. Good night. <laughs> I, I just wanted to say I, I won you over. Um, I wanted to start by telling you uh, about in in the spirit of your podcast, yeah. which I'm a fan of. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, how the f the first time that I met you, which I don't, I'm sure you don't remember. What happened? Do we? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm old enough to have those. Wait, did we? Can you just? <laughs> um. I, uh, this would be, this was, this was 2008, which doesn't feel like that long ago, but for me, spiritually, I was not, I was not in a great way then. Yeah. Me neither. You, um, I was, I was 23 and I was interning at the UCB theater mm. and, uh, previous to this, like b before I moved to LA, from uh i don't know maybe maybe from junior high or high school i had a huge uh huge crush on you how do you yeah. know me well i thought that and this this is not a dig at all let me explain i thought that you were uh the actor who played blinken and robin hood men in tights hmm. mark blankfield oh are you familiar yeah. with this vaguely no yeah okay you, have you seen the mel brooks movie robin hood not men a long in time I'm not even sure I've ever seen the whole movie. Well, he's in the beginning. He's in a, he's, uh, he's, he's Robin Hood's friend from, uh, Loxley, Loxley mm -hmm. from, uh, from the, from the place where his, his family, their, their house was burned down. He was like a family assistant or okay, something. Okay. Okay. And he's blind. Yeah. And he has round glasses. Right. So you I, thought I was that guy. I thought you were that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which is so now? Uh, okay, so now I've got a 1995 hat on, and you had a crush on <laughs> the wrong guy. So then you finally met me, and there was nothing but disappointment. No, no. no the, okay. the uh The the crush or like fascination uh -huh. happened because I thought you were that 
act. Well, that's how the, I was like, oh, it's that guy. Like, I want to see. I want to yeah. watch his yeah. Comedy Central special. Mm-hmm. I want to watch him on Conan. And then I was like, oh, I love this guy. And you also have this. Uh, but you knew I wasn't that guy then. Once yeah, you watch uh, eventually I did. I look that much like that guy? No, you don't. Okay. You don't really. But like the like the essence is kind of similar. I don't know. Mm. He's Jewish. Sure. And he had round glasses. Sure, we're all the same. Us round glasses, Jewish people. <laughs> yeah. 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 A little angry. Mm-hmm. Got an edge to him. Yeah. I also thought you were Gene Wilder. Sure. And uh, Andy sure, he's Hoffman. only 70. Okay. <laughs> and Andy Kaufman. Okay. No, not really. No. I'm, I'm joking. I'll take um, all of those. Those are good. Those are good. I also hit a huge crush on Wilder. Where does the crush on me happen? When uh, oh, you've just thought I was somebody. So you had a, did you? Was there a crush on me or no? There was a crush on you. Okay, all right. When did that happen? That happened uh, high school into college. Uh, developed like watched your stand up and had a big crush on you, especially because like as a really, as a really awkward, um, awkward teenager, awkward college student. You you had this air about you, which was, oh, if only someone would fuck me, if only yeah. someone would pay attention to me. Yeah. And um, I'm sure you were having. I think uh, I still have that a little bit. <laughs> so like girls. I think like that's me, what I should call my next CD. Would somebody <laughs> please fuck me? Would somebody please. What was the other one? Acknowledge me. Mm-hmm. Acknowledge me and fuck me. That's <laughs> I think acknowledge that's what, fucking me, which yeah. is totally different. Do, thing. That's what we're all. Just after. look down and see who you're fucking. Yeah, please. please, please. That's me and you. Yeah. <laughs> That's me and you mm-hmm. is a great name for a uh, <laughs> for an album or a novel. Um, so I uh, like that that really appealed to me as as a uh, as a teenager because I was like, ah, that's how I feel. And also, like, if he met me, then automatically, like, well, thank he would... God you didn't reach out to me as a teenager. I would have been in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Well, I wouldn't have told anybody. Oh. Okay, nice yeah. to know. I can work with that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do like that you're wearing the beanie because it does make you less intimidating. No, I'm not intimidating. Why do people say that about me? Um, why, why am I intimidating? What do you think? What What is that? Okay. Um, I'm being very soft-spoken and sweet because sure. I'm on a couch. I have no earphones on. Mm-hmm. This is a, an alien mic to me. Right. I'm at a weird angle looking at you. Yeah. Hold on. Maybe if I get more comfortable in that. Now I feel menacing. Yeah. Now you feel that? Yeah. That's scary, right? No, that's less scary. Mm. Now I feel like you're my therapist. Oh, okay. So what's going on with you? Ugh. Well, <laughs> I had this crush on Mark Maron. Wow. When I was yeah. in high school. That is a problem. Because uh, I'm familiar with him. <laughs> I, so... Had this crush on you, and then I was a an intern at the UCB theater, and you were doing um, Scorch the Earth. Scorching the Earth. Scorching the, the Earth. The horrendous divorce show. <laughs> like a broken man up there trying not to cry, screaming. Uh, it was yeah. great. It was really great. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that I switched intern shifts with somebody so I could be interning the night that you were doing Scorch the Earth. So he was a fan yeah. and, and, uh, like I said, had a, had a crush on you and you so could have fucked me then. Well, uh, let me tell the rest of my story. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I, uh, watched the show and, uh, obviously like, d- like during the show you talk about, um, uh, like fucking or like wanting, wanting to fuck or being willing to fuck just like cocktail waitresses at the comedy store and like whoever else would pay you any attention. And I uh, 
was was like, oh God, like this is this is gonna happen, Aaron. Like <laughs> I was standing like on the side and like in the in the box office and uh, walking around and like prepping myself, like the you know. Wow. Yeah. Los Angeles. Yeah. Like I, I had just been here for, I don't know, maybe four or five months. My dreams of fucking a broken man have come true. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll show him love. Yeah. I'll, I'll uh, teach yeah, him. Yeah. yeah Where were you? What happened? Well, I, you, like before the show, you were in the, uh, you were in the green room by yourself and had, well, let me explain. Just this. ready. I was ready. <laughs> no. Well, oh, God. Was I mean to you? Um, uh, that's well, not part me, of the story. Okay, well, sorry. Well, let me finish. I'm not going to interrupt anything. I don't. I don't. The, I'm going to let you get through it. I. I have no. I'm not going to. I don't know. Um. Mm, that sounded interesting. What don't you know? <laughs> I. So so I was I was like oh well this is going to be this is going to be great yeah and I am I was also it was also a very um uh sexually open time for me mm-hmm. like I had just gone out of like a like two very long relationships preacher's daughter had never really you know spread my wings so mm-hmm. to speak so i was already like already in this in this mode where oh and i was i was feeling very like sexy yeah. and like i was in this mode where where i was like i'm a liberated woman mm-hmm. and i'm going to have casual sex and it's going to yeah. be awesome and so like when you were doing your show i was sure that i was going to be like seduce you so after the show, you you went backstage. I went back there. Like I, I think I, I wanted to have some, some sort of business, so I wasn't just like you know just standing back there. So yeah. I was probably like moving a cooler. keg or like yeah, a cooler yeah. or something. And uh, our interaction was that first interaction was very short. It was a like ah oh hey that was great, and you were like eh, and just like walked out the back door. And then I was like god damn it, like well whatever. It's, it's fine. It's not a big deal. And then I went back into the green room and you have left your notebook in the green room. And I, I was the only person that was cleaning up the, the, the green room, picked up your notebook. I wasn't sure whose it was at first, picked it up. It was clear, like, like flipped through it. It was clearly yours. Wanted to read through it so badly. Mm. I abs- I can't say that I didn't look at it. It's hard to read did. my writing though, right? <laughs> oh, super hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just like lists yeah. and, uh, you know, things like God equals and then just <laughs> giant uh, yeah. uh, government, women, pussy, yeah. fuck, yeah. like this whole yeah. whole thing. Yeah. And uh, That's my notebook. <laughs> so I. I had big things going on. <laughs> so I, I was like, oh, serendipity. Yeah. Um, I have his notebook. This is my this is my in. He has to. He's going to want this back. Yeah. And none of these other interns or this like house manager, no one here understands how good this is because also like I had seen that show and was very moved by the show more so than I had been by your stand-up that I had seen before which I had also like really liked but like there there is I mean it definitely set something off in me where I was like god like it is so if if you can do it and you're able to be as honest on stage as Mark Marin is you should because you're doing a service like it's, it's right. really like beautiful and wonderful. So now I like not only had a crush on you, but like as an artist, I I was like, oh, that's 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 it. Like that's I I think that's what everybody should be aiming for if you can. Um, so I had this book and I went to the I went to the front and I said to the house house manager like probably like very importantly or like you know when somebody 
like has a shitty retail job and like someone like leaves something off the hanger and they walk up and they're like, well, someone like very dramatically yeah, like, yeah. guys, we got to really pull this together because yeah. <laughs> things are going down here. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So it was one of those situations where I walked up and I was like, uh, one of the performers, um, namely, namely Mark Marin, left his notebook behind. I'd like to be in charge of this, uh, of getting this back to him. <laughs> but the house manager immediately like took it out of my hands. Was like, fine, I'll just call him. And I was like, oh, no. oh um, god, damn it. Uh, should I? But I mean, I could, I could do it. I could give it back to him. And she's like, look, like if it's that important to you, um, I will. I'm gonna still do this. I'm gonna still call him. Uh, but when he comes to get it, you can be the one that gives it to him. So I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, perfect. Uh, I probably went in the bathroom and like fixed my hair. Like she had called you and like you were, you were pretty close by. I believe it was the same night that you got the notebook back. Uh, so a couple hours later, um, the house manager comes back and is like, okay, Aaron, like he's coming. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. I walked up to the front and like had your notebook yeah. and you walked up and I was like, oh, I have your notebook. And you looked at me like I had taken it. Oh. Like, like you, it, it really, I mean, I may, may have been misreading or projecting or something, but like, it really, I felt like in that moment that I had to say, I didn't, but I felt like I, I almost had to say like, I didn't steal this from you. Like I promised I didn't steal it, but you took it and you're, and looked at me like I was the world that was like just taking your shit and like, didn't like, I was probably full of panic. I don't know which notebook it would have been at that time. Uh, cause I deal with a lot of notebooks, but like there was a, <laughs> There, there was there were notebooks at that time that were very had some real shit in them um like i was you know during the the period of the separation and the divorce you know there was two or three real journals i was keeping that were really kind of like some real shit you know so yeah. I, I i was probably just panicked i don't i don't i can't imagine i thought you took it but right. i do imagine that if the if depending on what notebook it was I would would have assumed that you had to have looked at it. Right. Uh, so so I probably was just feeling, you know, kind of revealed because as honest as I am, there's shit in, in some of those notebooks in that time period specifically that, you know, is just that's my shit. So mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, what like if there were diagrams and stuff, that's more of a, a sort of a kind of carry in the pocket notebook. But there were a couple of notebooks where I was definitely journaling in. But still at that time, there was so much going on with me and so much that I needed to get out of me that some of those notebooks were, you know, I, I'm still protective of them. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, I know that I didn't, I didn't take I'm it personally. Oh, I thought you oh, no. didn't read it. <laughs> no. Um, I, I definitely, like I said before, I definitely didn't not read it. I like looked, looked through it a little bit, um, but I, I did not read that. I don't remember like reading anything bad, but I didn't, what I'm saying is I didn't take your your that reaction personally i didn't think i'm just like, sorry I, that we didn't fuck because you know so <laughs> it's water under the bridge at this point and it sounds like there was an opening there oh right well i'm sorry there i was. wish i would have yeah God yeah damn it can't fucking believe it man shout hey, out well, to look, Dan. you know you never know what's going to happen in this life <laughs> <laughs> oh no um <laughs> I'm just, I'm just uh, looking forward to my. We're both in relationships. Yeah, yeah. And that's good, but that's never great, say never. Yeah. Am I right? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, if if I leave my notebook over here today, <laughs> that that's be, all I'm saying. That would be so. That would be. Uh, that would be great.
which is like in a real like like uh, under my pillow. <laughs> yeah, and it's just all that's in it is high. <laughs> yeah, remember. Oh boy. So, um, yeah, like you said, you're in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah, and you are. Um, I'm. I'm very. I'm uh, Dan Harmon, my boyfriend, and I both are very open about our relationship on our like respective podcasts with your relationship is a little bit different because Jessica doesn't have a right podcast and she's a pretty private person. So I have to temper uh, some of it. You know, I, I, I speak in you know, sort of broad strokes and, you know, it really becomes about, you know, she's not in the public eye. She does have no desire to be in it. So if I'm going to have a problem with her, um, it should probably be in private because the weird thing about podcasting and about talking publicly about people, and I've had to learn this over time, is that, you know, sometimes you're worked up about something mm-hmm. and you, you get over it. Right. But if you're worked up about something, then get on the mic and say, like, you know, that fucking bitch, I can't fucking take it anymore. She does this and this and this and this. Then that's out there. Yeah. And then, you know, someone could come up to her and be like, you know, I heard what Mark was saying. That's pretty, you know, that was pretty nasty. And then you're like, ugh. And then, like, you're over it. And you, you know, the next day you're having dinner. And then all of a sudden it's like, what did you say to everybody? Mm. So Does she listen to the she podcast? She used to. I, I think living with me has diminished her interest in listening to my podcast. But right. uh, but uh, she did. I mean, that's sort of how she got to know me and became a fan of mine. But I think, you know, enough is enough. She seems to listen to the uh, um, uh, the uh, Yeah Dude podcast right now. Mm. Uh, so she, <laughs> so I have, I hear a lot of Jonathan Larroquette coming out of the bathroom when she's, uh, washing her face and, uh, she likes walking the room, but she's a big podcast person, mm. but we had this issue over a, a chapter in the book that I, I wrote that's coming out at the end of April where, you know, it was, it was written about it when we were broken up mm-hmm. for a while. And she was just sort of like, you, that's, you know, it's horrible. You can't put that in there about me. I just don't want that out there. It was a, it was a terrible time. And I don't think you framed it well. And it was one of those things where it's like, well, art or love, you know, what are we going to go with here? And, uh, you know, I said, well, I'll take it out, write something else more current about us. And, and I think that's respectable. Uh, and that happens with material, too. You know, I've been through a lot of relationships over the years, you know, doing comedy. And, you know, it gets to a point where you do a joke and the person you're with will be like, you know, you know, I'm not, I don't talk like that. And you don't have to talk about putting that in there. And, you know, so you're like, all right, maybe you're right. That's probably private. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and you just have to navigate that stuff as it comes. For you, what is the, what is the value of being open about those things? Like when you talked, like I listened, I was listening to your podcast when you first broke up with Jessica. Well, that's horrible, man. That was it, a like- horrible time. You know, I mean, like because of the type of work I do, whether it's stand up or performance or, or on the mic, you know, in general in podcasting is that, you, you know, I am speaking as a guy, you know, who is in the middle of something. I'm always in the middle of something mm-hmm. and, you, you know, talking about it helps. But but then it's in podcasting and certainly on, on in comedy on in stand up, you know, if you're on TV, you know, then it's out there. So then that's always going to be the way it's going to be. And, you know, when you're as intimate as you are on a podcast and, you know, people are invested in you and in the relationship you have, then everybody's got a face. I mean, there's a way to generalize this stuff. I mean, if I do a stand up bit, I can go this girl I was seeing or this woman I'm dating now or, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't become necessarily that person. 
Right. You know, but with with podcasting specifically, you know, people are into the narrative of your life if you're doing that type of podcast. So then it is that person Mm -hmm. and that person has friends and that person has a life and that person has a job and family members. So if you're talking about some crazy shit, you know, there's a lot of implications that that person may not want hung on her because of your 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 issue of the moment. Mm -hmm. So what do I get out of that, though? I think like you said, I, I think I'm finding that it does. When you talk candidly and, and, and honestly about these struggles, it's not a dialogue that people have necessarily in their own relationship or in their life. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think it does help to, to, to hear it out loud or, or to hear that someone else is going through it or to hear someone's feelings around it. I think that's what comedy does in general. Uh, if it's good is it, is it makes people go like, Oh, I'm not the only one. And like, uh, you know, I feel better about this or about that. But, you know, I, I don't know that I always get hung, you know, people hang that on me, this honesty thing. Like, like, I, I don't think, like, I think it's just the way I am, but apparently it's kind of jarring, uh, the way I handle myself publicly. Uh, and I'm not always aware of it until like that thing with the book that was uh, recently. And that was mm-hmm. a, an important moment for me because she said, look, I'm not a public person. It doesn't really characterize me well. I know that you think that's what happened, but that isn't exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my side of it is not represented. Right. And, you know, it's just disrespectful and it hurts my feelings. So then all of a sudden you're like, well, I mean, is, you know, do I want to, is this some, do I want to have this as part of our relationship from here on out? Or? Does that make you angry when she says that? Well, like, there's you part like- of you that's sort of like, hey, I, you know, I live through this. Yeah. And what exactly? So I said, well, let me let me work on it. So I went and changed it a little bit. And she's like, still, you're not, you know, you're not taking full responsibility for, for this. And then there's part of you. It's like, well, it's my book. This is my point of view. That was, you know, I'm not saying this is now, but that's the way yeah. it went down. But ultimately what becomes more concern is that when you live in a culture as intimate as we are and how everybody is fairly easily accessible, um, you know, especially, mm-hmm. you know, either mid-level celebrities or whoever, you know, the, you, you, it's pretty easy to get in touch with anybody. And then all of a sudden it's like, now everybody knows who your girlfriend is. And now everyone knows her name. Right. Maybe not the people she works with, but it's And now possible. everyone kind of feels like they have ownership over your relationship. Not ownership, but it's really? sort of like, you know, if we had some bad shit go down or she did something or I did something, or we had an event mm-hmm. that is, you know, you know, for most practical purposes, a private event. You know, why would she want just because I got to I got to tell a story. Why would she want to go to work and have somebody go? Did, did you did you really do that if she didn't offer that information? Right. So it becomes a, an issue of respect of somebody else's privacy and your you know, and your intimacy thing. For your um, for yourself, like like Jessica aside, like when you're talking about like your own, like if you're explaining a fight or something that's going on, how how much do you try to control information about you well i mean you i'm only going to be coming from my point of view and i mean even in in scorching the earth which was a very painful process of that divorce because i you know i really was blindsided by it and i really love that person and you know as angry and hurt as i was i think if you really look at a lot of that stuff i mean i've had people read that stuff and some of that stuff's in the book as well where they're like, you know, you took a lot of the hit here. You took, you know, you really put this on yourself hmm. that, you know, as, as gnarly as it got, you know, I was still talking from, you know, like I fucked up yeah. point of view. I mean, she did leave me, mm-hmm. you know, but I, my first real outside of whatever happened with the divorce proceedings, which were heinous, but that's mm-hmm. about money and about, um, you know, uh, that's another area, but 
but the emotions of it, it was like, you know, I understand why she left. And, um, you know, I fucked up mm-hmm. uh, in a way that, you know, wasn't getting better. It, as time went on, I mean, that really was my narrative around that. Right. Uh, and I kind of let her off the hook a lot. I still talked about it publicly, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like that bitch, you know, fuck her. Sure. And I, I know she was, you, you, you've uh, mentioned and alluded to her being upset about you speaking so openly about. Well, they, she was horrified, you know, I mean, because in her life, you know, and, and I'm sure as you know, that if you date somebody or who has a public profile, um, you know, especially if you're in the same racket, you know, you're always going to feel feel overshadowed by that on some level. You know, and mm-hmm. it's, it's daunting. I don't know what that feels like, but certainly that wife, that girl, you know, she was a comic and she wanted to be in this community. And, you know, she's going out with me, this, you know, this uh, a very defined performer and, mm-hmm. and who has a reputation. So she always felt like she was sort of in the shadow of that. And so when the shit hit the fan, I mean, on some level, she just wanted to get out from under me. Right. You know, like she didn't want to be associated with me anymore. Right. Before so, she was your your girlfriend and then your wife. And now she doesn't want to be your ex-wife. Well, now it's sort of like, you know, look, we're done. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm moving on. You know, I don't want, you know, like her nightmare is that, you know, someone Google searches her name and it's going to, you know, I'm going to be right there. Mm-hmm. And so, like, how does she ever detach from me publicly, you know, on Google? Yeah. You know, like, you know, she's, you know, she hates my guts on some level. I mean, I don't think she's that invested in it. Mm-hmm. But, in, in, you know, as time goes on, no matter how important I think I might have been, you know, I was a bad phase in her life. That the way she's going to frame it is like, yeah, I was married to that guy for three and a half years and it was horrendous. You know, but, you know, now I'm, you know, I've got a child. I got a, you know, a new life. I'm yeah. having another baby. And, you know, it's like. You know, I've moved on from that, but you Google me and like that, that fucking guy is still, t- I'm tethered to that guy. Right. Uh, and now this book is coming out and um, I had to deliberate that stuff. You know I mean? Th- that's a real issue with that. You know, like I talk about my first marriage, I talk about this marriage and, and these are wounds that are, you know, finally healing, but yet I'm writing this memoir driven book and a lot of these stories come from that. And I'm like, well, what am I doing? I'm just reopening these horrendous things that you know, in a very public way, again. Um, what What is your current girlfriend's relationship with your past relationships? Or like, do you guys talk about that she, stuff? She, she hates it. Yeah. You know, she hates, I mean, she's younger than me and she doesn't not, you know, you know, every once in a while, it's sort of like, oh yeah, I fucked her too. And it's like, oh my God, how, <laughs> how much of this went on? You know, where'd you find the time? Um <laughs> You know, and it makes, and, she, and she's got her own insecurities about that stuff. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, at some point, you know, as, you know, whether I feel bad or not, I can't, you know, what am I getting? I can't erase anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been, I, I don't talk about my ex wife to her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we sort of nip that in the bud. You know, I don't live in that relationship. You know, I don't pine away or, or find, um, you know, I'm very happy with this woman that I'm with now. And I don't think I've loved anybody as much as her that I've been with. And, you know, we have a good thing going. It's a little crazy, but you know, I'm a little crazy. So you're going to get a little crazy. But so I don't have, you know, my heart is invested in this. You know, I, I think one of the big fears of somebody coming into somebody like me is, um, you know, is my heart there? I mean, you know, is your heart elsewhere? And, you know, by the time I met Jessica, you know, I, you know, I put most of that into perspective. You know, heartbreaks is a bitch, but, um, but, you know, sort of living in it. Uh, in a longing way 
is um, it doesn't allow you to move on. And I feel like I have moved on. So, you know, I think that she knows that. Mm. But still, this book's coming out and I had to weigh <laughs> these things out. Like my first wife does not deserve this shit to be dragged up. And it's in there. And my second wife is not going to be happy about this. But still, it you know, it's okay. Um, but you think about it. You know, yeah, I mean, if you can't, if you're the kind of person or you do the kind of work I'm doing, if I don't talk about my life, I mean, what am I going to talk about? You know, what animation, right. am I going to do an animated series? Fiction? You know, I don't know what I'm going to do. You, we, we just went on this uh, Harmontown tour and we like Dan will, Dan mostly talks about his own feelings about our relationship when he's talking about me or about me. But like we, we had a fight on stage. And right. Yeah, I think he talked about it on the episode I was on, or got, or he had was still talking about it. Was there? No, he talked about a fight at a hotel. Right, that Bobby uh, Goldthwait was. Uh, yeah. Kind of coincidentally privy to. <laughs> yeah, that's how that started. We we got in a fight at a hotel, and we never, we never had time to resolve it. So it turned into this big thing. But the reason why that was, like, doing that, having that fight on stage wasn't the painful thing. It was the weighing in from it was the emails it was the that's advice. what you do that's what you the, open yourself up to yeah yeah which i learned um but also like i i don't know if that would have changed anything like that was a really that was an emotionally dark time and a weird time i don't know if it would have been any different if i would have if someone would have said like hey aaron like after this people who don't really know you are going to say that they do and tell you what to do and they're going to you know well the weird thing is like it really comes down to like with artists or people that whose lives are their resource is that, you know, we're selfish people and, you know, we don't always know uh, when we're hurting somebody else because mm -hmm. we're like, it's funny. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, people are laughing. Yeah. They love and they're it. laughing. And you know, my like, mommies and daddies in the audience love it. Sure. I mean, like, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I wrote a whole essay in my book about that sort of final straw of that second marriage, you know, was like, I literally, you know, we had this horrendous fight that was really the, the sort of death knell of, of her patience with me, you know, and I'm a fighter and I'm a yeller and I'm, you know, emotionally abusive person. And, you know, I want, you know, after that marriage, I wanted nothing more than to, to sort of evolve out of that or, or, or learn how to not be that guy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after we had this horrible fight where I had to leave the house and, and you know, uh, it was horrendous. And, like, I'm a fucking moron. You know, we're still together. She's, like, you know, planning her escape. But, you know, we end up at the um, Aspen Comedy Festival, you know, and I'm doing The Moth, you know, the storytelling show. And, you know, and at this point, you know, my my ex-wife does not like me and you know, and, and it's tangible, mm -hmm. but she's not gone. And I didn't think she was going. And, you know, I got to do this story at the festival and then, you know, everybody in our industry is at that festival. And I'm like, you know, Hey, can I tell that story about when, you know, I broke the chair and, you know, I had to sleep out at the hotel and I, you know, I didn't break it. You know, I broke it by accident, but whatever, you know, that story, because I think that's a good story. And she's like, um, you know, I don't care. And I'm like, oh, look, I'm, I'm the bad guy in it. So let me tell that story. And that story was really about a horrendous fight where, you know, there was yelling and screaming and, you know, I picked up a chair and I slammed it on the ground and it broke and she felt, um, 
you know, scared and like there was, you know, there was crying and it was mm -hmm. horrible. And she's like, do whatever you want. So I just like a fucking idiot, you know, got up there in front of the entire comedy industry and audience members and told this story about that thinking like, but you know, I'm the bad guy. But you know, I got off stage and she was like, how the fuck would, how could you do that? How could you like, everyone knows who you're talking about. It's me. Mm -hmm. You know, you were emotionally abusive and it was terrifying. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you just went up there and told this group of strangers this about me, you know, about, you know, I'm like, but, but I was the bad guy. It's like, right. yeah, but you know, I, you know, on some level it was like, yeah, but you were abusive. And I was a victim of that emotional abuse and I was there and, you know, and now like, you know, that, you know, and it was like, never really, it was like, oh my God, you know, that's interesting. You know, was, was she upset that like, it was this, this really abusive, uh, traumatizing fight was now a joke. Was that what you were taking with it lightly? Me, is or it, like no, no. It was just that like, you know, I told it, like I told it, you know, I right. told the events and I think that one of the issues, and then like at, you know, out of nowhere, Billy Baldwin was on the same show as me. <laughs> and he comes up to me and said, you don't deserve her. And I'm like, you know, if a Baldwin is giving you relationship Whoa. advice, you're in a pretty bad place, you know? But, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, wow. <laughs> what I wouldn't give. Yeah. I know it's like a serious, but that's. that's but like when I do it, like, do I really do jokes? I mean, that's the thing. Is it, is it really right. a joke? Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I yeah. mean, you know, it was a heavy story mm -hmm. and, you know, there was funny moments in it, but it was not a resolved story. It was not a story that has a happy ending. You know, it was a story about, you know, a, 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 a you know, a struggling couple with, you know, th this guy who clearly, you know, doesn't really have a handle on, on you know, how fucking abusive he is right. or how fucking out of his mind he is. And so like when you tell a story like that or when I tell a story like that, it's sort of like, yeah, but I, like I, you know, I, I apologized. Yeah. And that, you know, in my mind, it's like, you know, there's some part of me not playing a victim, but, but by, I think by telling it that I've somehow risen above it, but it's, it's all very real, you, you yeah. know? So, so I don't think it was that I made a joke of it. I think it was just that, you, you know, it was like, I, I don't know why she gave me permission initially to tell it. Mm -hmm. I don't know that she was really thinking about it mm -hmm. or what I would necessarily say. Right. But I think that the details of it were, you know, even just the fact where, you know, she was scared and crying, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm just talking about it because, you know, like, that's what I do. I talk about this stuff. You know, I would, I didn't think like, you know, that an audience was going to sit there and be like, why is this guy telling, telling us this? You know, this is, you know, this is kind of dark shit and he's got some problems here. You know, there was no sort of like closure other yeah. than, you know, we were still together and, and on some level I could see how she could think like, you know, you know, what does that make her look like? Why would she stay with that fucking guy? You know? Right. So I don't know exactly what hit the note, but that was the end of it, boy. Why did you <laughs> tell that story? I thought it was a good story. I still think it's a good story. Right. So like, but it's the, but like for you. But it was true. But it's got to be more, it's got to be, it must have been more than like telling the value of a good story or like audience reaction. Like, were you, were you looking I to think be absolved? I wanted, yeah, sure. I think that there is something about that, that if you cop to something, that you will be absolved and that, you know, that there's redemption in that. Right. But there really isn't. There's redemption in changing your behavior or mm -hmm. taking responsibility for your actions. I don't know that telling a story just in and of itself. Sure. is doing either of those things. Yeah, yeah. 
Hey, everybody. Commercial time. Uh, first and foremost, huge announcement. Uh, this Feels Terrible is going to be presenting a special five-part mini-pod series called Dates with Dustin. Dustin Marshall is our uh, producer, engineer, the founder of Feral, and is the reason why you're able to hear this show and other great shows like Harmontown and Call Chelsea Peretti and Steve Agee's Uh and Vomit on the Web and uh, a million different amazing shows. He's also single. So uh, we, we being myself, I should take the responsibility for this, I'm sending him out on three dates. We already have the ladies secured. We have the locations locked down. Uh, Dustin and I have have started recording um, preliminary podcasts talking about uh, what his problems are, what his big problem is, why he's such a rain cloud, a sexy little rain cloud. I'm saying this as I'm sitting next to him. We're sitting alone in a room <laughs> and I'm talking about him. But it's uh, so far, it's so far, it's awesome. And the uh, three women that are going out on dates with Dustin seem equally awesome. He's going to be. Uh, He's going to be going on dates with them, and then I'm going to talk to him and talk to Dustin, and uh, we'll see we'll see how it goes. So far, it's it's great. That's going to premiere on Monday, April 1st. So mark your calendars. It will download automatically if you're subscribed to this podcast. So go ahead and subscribe if you haven't already. Um, and if you have, we've already gotten a few submissions. I am asking for any kind of Dustin Marshall, Dates with Dustin fan art. Um, anything. Uh, also, if you, I, I love I love the fan art that includes you in the picture where you're holding it up. We'll post it to our Tumblr, which is run by the fantastic Caitlin Kelly. Check her out. She's also a photographer for hire, a graphic artist, freelance, amazing Caitlin Kelly. Check out the This Feels Terrible Tumblr. And guys, let's get ready to find Dustin a wife. <laughs> or just just dates. Just dates. Back to the shoe. Over the course of like your over the course of your podcast, you you come clean about a lot of things. And like in your opening monologue, you talk about what's happening in your life and like what you're struggling with, what's going well. Like do you have you evolved emotionally over the course of your, your podcast? No, there's you, no like doubt I have. And, you know, in, in terms of like the fact that when I started it, you know, I was at a low point on all levels and really had given up on having a career in show business, even really. Mm -hmm. And I had no expectation that I think that the fact that it became relevant, despite whatever intentions I may have had, which were none other than to keep busy. Um, I think that, you know, grounded me in something. I think that, you know, all in all, when you, you choose a, a creative life or not, it's not the right word. If you choose to be, uh, you know, I'm wary to say artist, but if you choose to you know, put, put art your, at the center of your life, yeah, something, like you know, that if, if you're, you, if you're in the creative arts or whatever that, I mean, I think that despite whatever joy you may get from singing or dancing or telling your stories, uh, you, you, you know, what you're striving for is relevance mm -hmm. and, and to be seen as somebody that's doing something, you know, right. to be like, you know, like, well, that's that guy that did that thing, you know, like that thing's a good thing. You want that. Yeah. And you want it, you know, usually our egos are large enough to want it on as big a level as possible. But I'd given up on all that. 
So once it became relevant, it was all very surprising. And I was excited that people were digging it and they were digging it in a very deep way. And I think that, you know, changed how I saw myself in the world that like whatever the 25 years I'd put in, which before I did the podcast, I thought were just, you know, thrown away. Mm -hmm. And I've been in this business long enough to see what that looks like. I know what people who put their life into the hands of this miserable fucking industry that we've chosen and just get chewed up and don't surface. Mm -hmm. And, you know, look, the life is disappointing for everybody, but you know, to, I didn't know how I was going to really deal with that. And I, and I, and I, and I saw it happening. And, um, I think that in the first year of the podcast, I mean, that's where I was, you know, I was in that I was like, you know, this is, this is what I'm doing. You know, I got nothing else. And that wasn't really self-pity. It was reality. You know, I, I, right. I couldn't sell tickets and whatever. So I think that once it became popular and once, you know, I sort of got into a groove with it, that, you know, talking to people was helping me emotionally and personally, but also people were digging it, that I, it sort of grounded me. Like I felt like, all right, so this, you know, this choice of a life was, was good, was not a good choice, but you know, it, it's sort of like I found something that's mine. Right. It's on my terms and, and it resonates with people and that feels good. That's real. Like I'm not a big self-esteem guy. And I think that I, you know, for the first time in my life, I might've gotten some. Mm. So that, you know, grounded me in something different than what it was. Like, I, I, you know, I now could sort of own myself that, you know, I, I, I was doing something that was, you know, important to me and, and it was also important to others. And, uh, it was also working as a therapeutic, uh, um, endeavor for mm -hmm. me, uh, with relationships. I mean, you know, I don't know how much the podcast has helped me with that, but, you know, just by virtue of what I went through with the second wife and what I've gone through in my life, I think that with this relationship, I'm much more, you know, empathetic and a lot more, uh, a lot less, you know, selfish. And, and, you know, I seem to care about her more than I have cared about anybody. And I'm letting myself do that without feeling like it's threatening. Uh, I'm not as defensive as I used to be. And I, you know, just recently, like within the last few weeks, you have started to, you know, really frame things uh, in our relationship differently around, you know, how I see her and, and how I see us. Mm -hmm. um, so there's there's a lot of things going on with that now that that haven't gone on before. But I don't know if that's relative to the podcast as much as it is just relative to, uh, you know, you know, old dynamics that, you know, need to be changed. And also we're you know, she wants to have a baby. She wants a new house. She wants to get married. She wants, to, you know, and, uh, you know, I want to think like, well, that, you know, she's crazy. I don't trust you. You're manipulating <laughs> me. But these are not unreasonable wants for somebody. Sure. Know. I don't know why I giggled at that. No, no, it's, it's, it's funny. But, but like just not being selfish and, and not, you know, being afraid to, uh, to, uh, you know, kind of actively care about somebody in a, in a real way without the fear of like, what about me? You know, like the, you know, that sort of what about me shit, mm -hmm. you know, is, uh, is killer. Mm. It's killer if you have that. Right. Yeah, sure. Well, I, I've heard you talking on, on your podcast recently about, um, I guess starting with the, the Valentine's day episode talking about, uh, looking for a ring and, um, uh, couples therapy and like, uh, coming, coming to the realization that like, it's, it's okay to, 
to I, I forget what you said. I don't think you said man up, but like something like along those lines. It's does she is she like part of that? Like I'm listening to that and I'm thinking, oh God, like if if Dan said that on a podcast about me or if I said that, like I'd I'd lo- lose my mind. I'd be like, let's talk about this. What's do you guys talk about you looking for a ring? All the like time. That? <laughs> um, well, yeah, if I'm talking about it on the podcast, that means like it's sort of like all right. Yeah. What does she say? <laughs> Well, or what do you say? I don't want to like, uh, you've, you've said she's a private person. I'm like, but tell me, like, what does she, she do? Well, you know, look, I've been through a lot of shit. I'm a pretty broken dude, you know, and I've got a lot of problems. And, uh, you know, I don't celebrate them really. You know, I want to get better. Mm-hmm. But, there, you know, that, that stuff is very frightening. I mean, you know, to yeah. be in a relationship that's serious is very frightening. So, you know, every day is filled with sort of like, okay, you know, I'm going to do it. You know, mm-hmm. like if I'm going to have a kid, I'm going to do it now. Right. It's, you know, I, you know, I, I should marry her. We're living together and I love her. I care about her. And, you know, I kind of do need a new house and yada, yada. But then like within an hour, I'm like, oh, she's, you know, that this is crazy. How is this going to last? She's 20 years younger than me. I'm going to have a kid. And then it's like, you know, she's going to leave. And, you know, and if I get a new house, she's not going to clean it. You know, that kind of shit. Like, oh, and then it's like, you know, this is the whole thing's crazy. So, you know, there, there's like, there's these waves and I'm not talking about her, expecting her to clean the house like a wife or whatever, but you know, we both have our, the, the, the weird thing is, is that everybody's got their, you know, their bullshit problems. Um, you know, but when you're in a relationship, you're going to focus on the other person's problems. Sure. You know, because sort of like, this is why this is no good <laughs> because you've got this thing you do. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, they're going to go like, but you do that. I'm like, oh, we're going to be petty now. And we're not talking about me. And that goes nowhere, that right. fucking argument. You know, it, it's sort of like, you, you know, we're, ju- we're discussing this issue that I have with you doing this. And, and they're like, you, you know, but, but you, I got to put up with this other thing. I mean, what, it's not a negotiation, but it is negotiation. And at a certain point, you got to be like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to do this because she's not going to do it. And I'm going to have to be okay with that. Or, you know, every time I do it, I'm just going to have to throw that on, you know, throw another fucking log on the resentment fire. Right. At some point, you have to accept the other person. Mm-hmm. And not be fueling resentment. It's all very tricky. I don't know if it's this tricky with other people. Like I think some people, you know, are less defensive and less insecure and all that other shit. But, you know, to navigate, you know, a relatively healthy relationship for people that are are a bit unhealthy, it's just it's it is what it is. But unfortunately, you know, that's the lot you drew. That's who you are. You're not the person that doesn't have these problems. You're the person that has these problems. So you can either pretend like you're not that person or that you'll magically become the person that doesn't have these problems, or you will figure out a way to navigate emotionally uh, with another person who obviously interfaces with your problems, which is, you know, I don't want to point fingers, but you know, they have their own problems. So there you go. Right. Yeah. How does your age difference affect your relationship? Do you think? Well, occasionally she says things that, you know, you know, makes it very clear that I'm old. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't necessarily feel it that much. Sometimes I do. You know, when I, you're um, fighting, do you ever, do you ever think, God, well, she's 20 years younger. This is why she has this problem. Do you ever blame anything? On no, her, no, uh, no, no. She, I mean, you know, I think she has, you know, there's issues around, you know, like she wants to have a baby. She should want to have a baby. She's an age you have babies. I don't have any babies. Mm-hmm. I've somehow gotten, you know, through life without having babies. 
but now I'm with somebody who I love who wants a baby. And then I got to think like, you know, am I, am I too old for a baby? I mean, you know, I don't want to be, you know, and then of course that plays into her thing. It's like, you know, I, I know that I can, you know, I can wait to have a baby a few years, mm-hmm. but then you're going to be a hundred. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's more pressure than even just a baby thing is that, you know, we have this window here. Yeah. Yeah. But it's scary. You know, it's scary. Like, do I want to be 65 with a 15 year old? I try not to think about that. You know, kids mm-hmm. are pretty durable. And, and as, as I, as time goes on, I realize like, you know, you know, they're, you know, you know whatever. I'm still going to be the dad and they're probably going to love me unless I fuck that up, uh, no matter how old I am. And, you, you know, you just, I just started to frame it differently. And, and also like, well, you know, uh, yeah, there's some things like when she says, you know, we need to cut your ear hair, you know, that's not a, a young guy <laughs> issue, you know, and you know, there, there are other things like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I do things that a 49 year old guy does you know my tastes are different you know my history is different i mean that that's an issue it's sort of like i've lived these lives that i've lived you know Mm -hmm. i've been through all this shit and you know her you know her resume is not that big um but the core of it is 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 intact and you know the love is there and we're both you know relatively difficult people in our own ways and uh (laughs) what's keeping you from uh proposing like if you well that's that's a fairly new thing you know like you know if i'm gonna do it right you know i i I don't know i hope i'm not stalling i don't feel like i am i I didn't mean to accuse you of that it was just no i mean i get accused of it all the fucking time (laughs) um but that's sort of settled down since couples therapy and since i've sort of been like you know i'm open to having a baby and like and and like a lot of this stuff comes down to just an, an overwhelming panic in my life about uh, about money, about my resources. You know, I'm not in a job where, you know, I, I have not made, I don't have, you know, next year I could have nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's where I am. You know, I, I don't, I don't have things saved. You know, I'm not okay, you know, for the next, you know, for the end, till the end. You know, I, I think that despite how, how petty or, or, or trivial that might seem, it makes a big difference that, you know, once you embark on this thing, you know, you want to be able to support it in, you know, in a way that's relatively consistent. But, you know, then you sort of realize like, well, nobody really knows what the hell is going to happen, you know, and, and plenty of people with nothing have children. Right. Uh, and, and that's really shouldn't be what it's about. But uh, the more practical thing is, you know, like we need to go look at rings because I don't want to get the wrong ring. And, um, you know, we, there's sort of sort of a, a time window on you know, in talking about, you know, children and stuff because she doesn't want to waste her life with a guy that just drains her of her childbearing years. And, you know, so this is all very fresh stuff, but, you know, Mm. I've become, I've come around to it. I mean, because, you know, really what, what else am I going to do? You know, I don't, I don't do that well on my own, um, in the sense that like, I'm not, I, I'm not like, Hey, finally, uh, you know, I'm, you know, it's just me. I'm going to go out and do what? You know, it's like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I got to do. And then at five in the afternoon, I'm going to be like, the fuck do I do now? I guess I'll sleep. And then I'll sleep for two hours and be like, I don't watch TV. Should I jerk off? Maybe I should jerk off. Uh, Maybe I'll just go to the comedy store and hang out. She was hanging out down there and do a set and then come home and then lay in bed by myself and, you know, think about my life. And then maybe, you know, enter some cycle of, you know, sexually acting out for months on end and until that gets cluttered and, you know, you all of a sudden, you know, you got, you know, a handful of women hating you or, you know, who knows, you know, maybe I, you know, I'll lose my charm and that wouldn't even be an option. Ultimately what I'm saying is like, you know, if I'm going to do this stuff, you know, and, and bring, you know, and, and live that life, um, I should do it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, everything's scary. I'm a very panicky person. I'm easily overwhelmed and, uh, and I worry a lot. So a lot of times I'm reacting to things my brain is making up out of fear that, you know, they don't have any bearing on reality other than to keep me from doing things. So I have to navigate that landscape. Right. Hmm. Am I boring you? No, no, I'm captivated. Um, uh, how you mentioned couples therapy. Uh, what are the, what are the pros and cons of couples therapy? I've never been to couples therapy. I don't think I've talked with any other guests about couples therapy. Well, you know, it's something I think that you should do. If, Me personally? No, I just mean like, you know, by the time I got into couples therapy with the, my second wife, it was just, it was too late. Yeah. And look, if you're having problems in a relationship that continue to repeat themselves, you know, either there's unhappiness or emotional abuse or an inability to communicate or fear that there comes a point where you're either going to surrender to it and and live with that unhappiness or you need somebody to now help you navigate it which is just sort of like you know like we've run out of you know whenever we try to do this we end up in the same place it's mm -hmm. not a good place mm -hmm. so somebody's got to say hey wait 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 let her no 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 you talk okay now you, you know somebody's got to somehow get you out of right. that loop do you guys literally like fight in front of somebody who then we have explains what's happening okay. we have but you know, it's not really a fight but it's a dynamic gotcha so if you know if you can't break a cycle you you need help breaking a cycle right is there a winner and a loser like in a um, session do you do you guys shake hands afterwards like what no it's not really about fighting it, it's right. just about like you, you know when you're in a relationship you second guess the other person a lot sure and a lot of times you're not right Mm -hmm. Most of the time mm -hmm. you're just doing it out of fear, you know, whether it's like, you know, like, you know, you're that guy, he's going to react that way or she's going to react this way. And I don't want to deal with that. Mm -hmm. So then you just stop yourself from expressing your feelings because you assume, you know, what the hell that other person's going to feel. You may be right. You may be wrong, but you know, that means you're still stuffing that shit. So, you know, it, it's just about communication and about getting, you know, your needs met. Uh, in, in or, or feeling valued or seen or heard or, you know, moving through this stuff. So at least the truth is out there and not some weird speculation, you know, about how the other person's going to react or whatever. Um, and it, and it's helpful, you know, it's, it's helpful and it's, uh, it, it's, it's proactive. I mean, I imagine like, you know, some people are like, well, therapy is an excuse or this and that. We should be able to deal with that. I said, you know, look, you know, are we really, you know, throughout my entire second marriage, I said, you know, like, really, we need to do that. I think we're okay. Yeah. But if you got one person who's the, the problem mm -hmm. that the other person's afraid of, you know, whatever's going to happen. I mean, usually, you know, if it's an anger thing, you know, you, once you fucking dump it out there, you're like, all right, I'm sorry. Yeah, I feel better. You feel better. No, you just fill the person up with your bile. They, they don't feel better, but they're going to say they feel better because they're fucking, you know. Uh, and if it's other things, you know, I, I mean, it's just, it's hard, man. It's hard to navigate uh, for some people. And I think if you can, you know, if you have a problem that you can't overcome as a couple, 
and you want to try to make the relationship work, it's like there's no there's no shame in asking for help. Right. Hmm. Are you um uh this is this is a very like light silly question i have uh me and my friends have this theory that we came up with a couple a couple days ago or like a test related to uh kids and uh, and family and stuff um uh backing backing i don't want to back away from like serious things but i'm really curious what your answer to this is um if you had to imagine uh first listen to the, these two words together um puppy baby just think about those those two words together now if you had to imagine like just a picture like a postcard of either a a baby with a puppy's head or a uh or a baby or a puppy baby with a puppy's head and a baby's body. Like if it was just a picture and you're not thinking about like what that means, like health wise or like what that would look like moving around, like which would you rather have on your wall? Which do you think is cuter puppy head or baby head? Baby head. All right. Okay. I think our theory is that that means that you want to have children like the, our, our our friends our friends who wanted uh who said puppy head they're women who just have have said uh downright like I do not want to have kids look I, I I think I'd be a good father and I get along with kids and I, <laughs> yeah. and, I and I and I care I'm a, more able to care about uh, them than I used to be and you know I I'm very nuts with my cats in a lot of ways but you know it didn't happen when I was younger because I just didn't see how it would work in sure. my life. That, you know, at the time when I, when, when I was with my first wife, you know, she was moving towards that, but I, you know, I was, you know, struggling comic. I didn't have a pot to piss in. There was no indication that I would have one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was too proud to take money from her family or to do that thing. And I really thought that if I had a child at that juncture in my life, that, you know, I would not be able to do what I wanted to do. Now, whether or not, you know, a child would have made me forget about all that anyways, and that like I would have become just completely consumed with, you know, being a, a father or, or being, having a family. Mm-hmm. And I would just do, it didn't matter what I did, you know, as long as I could support that family. I don't know if that would have happened. Right. I, I don't think it would. Uh, you know, sadly, I think I would have, you know, you know, probably created a fairly destructive environment for a family. So, cause I had other issues as well. You know, I was a drunk and I was, you know, uh, a womanizer and, you know, there were other problems, but, you know, by the time the second marriage came, you know, she was not, you know, she didn't want to bring a child into, you know, what we had because of how volatile it was. Um, and that came up later in the relationship. So, you know, now the only thing that stops me is like, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm older, but, but I think I just have a fundamental fear of, you know, am I going to do it right? You know, mm-hmm. can I live up to the responsibility of it? You know, it, you know, you start to think like, oh, that's a long haul. You know, and there's a lot of, and I'm a very sensitive person. My, my feelings can be hurt by children. So, you know, there is a sort of manning up around that stuff. And I think it does happen naturally. Uh, a lot of people you talk to have kids are sort of like, oh, yeah, you just take to it. And I'm like, that seems like just winging it to me. But of course you do. I mean, you know, we're designed to do that. Right. Arguably, it's the only thing we're designed to do. When you, when you imagine yourself as a father, what kind of father do you see yourself as? Completely worried <laughs> all the time. Gotcha. Neurotic. Would, good. When you picture having a kid, do you picture a, a boy or a girl? Not necessarily like what you want, but like when you're when you're thinking I about just picture like a, a baby, a little baby. 
I had a baby. My brother's got a few kids. I held a baby recently, you know. Um, nice. You know, and also, like, you know, I don't come from the greatest stock mentally. Uh, you know, there, there's also those concerns. And, you know, a lot of the things that you don't want to do that your parents did, and you think, like, oh, I'm not going to do that, you know, you're probably going to end up doing it. And even if you if you don't do it, you know, the subtext of your behavior is going to translate one way or the other, you know. Like, yeah, my brother we just sort of had a family with a vengeance to not do you know, what my father did or whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't think he does, but, you know, he, sometimes he does. So, you, you know, you got to give yourself a break and, you know, really just, you know, realize that, uh, or I, maybe I'm just realizing out loud that, you know, it's, it's going to be all right. You know, life is short and, you know, some things will ultimately kind of resolve themselves, themselves. You know, there's another person involved and, you know, I'm not the kind of person who's just going to throw a baby away. So... Good. That's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Enough of this thing. Let's just go leave it on the doorstep. <laughs> um, what are uh, like aside from like being neurotic or like thinking about like the way that somebody would turn out as as an adult human being? What would your and maybe this is related to like what your relationship with your parents was like growing up? Like, what's your greatest fear for like your future kids that they would grow up? blank or is there or is there a fear is that what you're worried about or i'm not really worried about that i'm just i you know i worry about the sort of like being able to deal with uh you know a person like i have a hard time you know like my parents were very Mm self-involved and and you know because of that um you know i i didn't grow up with a lot of discipline or boundaries and i sort of had to put myself together but there was not a lot of nurturing and uh in 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 the family and to the point where, you know, I, I just really feel like I don't have a lot of, you know, per, you know, kind of, I don't feel that my, I don't have parental feelings towards my parents. Like, I don't feel like that's my mom. Don't talk about my mom like that. I'm like, oh, right. I don't know, she, some lady I grew up with, you know, that has <laughs> had problems, you know, uh, I don't have that. You know, I don't like, there's nothing in my heart that believes that my parents are going to help me in any way or take care of me. Mm. so you, you know and because of that i don't think i'm the most nurturing person in the world I'm, I'm very sensitive and but i still think it's self-oriented you know that you know i you know i want to make someone feel better so like they, they don't cause me trouble right yeah <laughs> you know what i mean it's like i it's just i hope she you know why doesn't she just do what what, what would make me feel better you yeah. know or why didn't you know like so but like lately, and, and I've been more aware of that, you know, allowing myself because like nurturing is a little alien to me. I just wasn't brought mm-hmm. up with it. My, you know, my mother really said recently, she said, you know, when you were a baby, I didn't know how to love you really. And I'm like, well, that's Jeez. a big piece of the puzzle. So, <laughs> but I know that's in me and I know that's what I come from. My father's very, you know, dis- you know, kind of de- not detached, just completely self-involved. So like I have to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. Like I have to learn how to care for people and not have it be some kind of risk. It's a weird thing when, you know, when you're completely self-involved that, and, and also fragile that, um, you know, when it becomes about some, somebody else, there's a part of your brain that says, you know, what, what about me? And, and yeah. am I disappearing now? I mean, like if I care about this other person, if I lose myself, and just care about this other person. I mean, what's what's going to take? Who's going to take care of me if I'm not going to, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, that seems to be a real emotional um, bit of wiring that I have. And and 
And I think that all people are, are capable of, of caring and, and nurturing, you know, but I, I have to be sort of like, I have to go against, you know, my natural wiring right. a little bit and, and, and be selfless. Selfless is tricky. You know, some people are just naturally kind of like, oh my God, look at the doggy, you know, and uh, <laughs> yeah. we, have, we have to go get that doggy and, you know. Or, or like, oh, it's a baby. I just want to breastfeed it right now. Or, you know, it's like, oh, they just, I mean, maybe it's a, a more of a maternal thing, you know? Sound like terrible people with no boundaries. Yeah, I guess. But, but also like, you know, there, that's not. I'm a, just kidding. I know yeah. that's not what you're it's saying. It's not such a bad no boundaries to have. Right. As right, opposed right. to sort of like, ooh, someone I was just imagining a woman uh, looking at a baby. It's also very funny, the idea of a woman looking at a baby. Like, can I breastfeed? I got to breastfeed. No, yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny. No, but just sort of like to, to be, you know, grounded enough in yourself to be selfless. You have to have a certain sort of stability to be selfless. Mm -hmm. you, you, you know what I mean? It has to. You, you, and, and, and raising children requires that. Like I was just talking to Pat, to Pam Adlon, you know, it, it's very hard. I think if you're sensitive and sort of insecure or selfish to, you know, to deal with a 12 year old yeah, who's like, fuck you. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be painful. Sure. So like, I think my fear is that, you know, I won't take it personally and behave like I do when I do in a relationship where I see everything as a manipulation or I see, you know, everything as some sort of criticism of me or mm -hmm. some indication that I'm not doing enough and react to that. You don't want to dump that on a kid, you know, on a 10 year old, you're like, what did I, I didn't do it right. So what do you, what do you need me to, what you want me to get the milk for you? You know, like you, you don't want to be like that guy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, you mentioned uh, earlier that w like when you were when you were single, like at any given time, there may be a handful of women that were kind of upset with you. Um, when you like as a as a as a single guy, like what was your pattern? Like when you were go when you were going out with women, was it just like if I was to guess based on what you're saying about like being really worried that people dislike you, you were the, you were the kind of guy that just like stopped calling that would just like disappear and cause frustration that way. No, no, we... no, I, I was not. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I like to connect very deeply. I'm a hypersexual person. I sexualize a lot. And like, to me, you know, like, you know, I have a, you know, I need to feel that, that like a, a connection. I was never really one to sort of like, you know, I just fuck anything. Like if I, you know, like I, I seemed that, that sexual things were, were driving me a lot hmm. to the point where, you know, I didn't necessarily, you know, acknowledge how emotionally invested someone was getting in me or, you know, really care about that. You right. know, so what, what I would find is that, you know, because of my need to connect sexually and not just fuck, mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, that reads a certain way to people. Like if you are driving for that connection. Like if you want, you know, if you need that, like if you need to, you know, get that soul thing going, right? To, like to feel it, you, you know, and you and you're driven that way. I mean, not everybody's driven that way. You know, some people are just like, thank you, you know, like, <laughs> and it, you know, it's just not the way I'm driven. Mm -hmm. But so, but that's you know, my my need for that runs pretty deep. And you know, if you push that far into somebody, you know, it's going to have an effect on them. Mm -hmm. Especially, you know, I'm not saying I'm some sort of wizard in bed, but, you know, I do need to, you know, have have a real connection. And but but I don't value it as like love or anything like that necessarily. Mm -hmm. it, you know, in my mind, it was sort of like, God, we really got a sexual thing going here where somebody be like, I, I've never experienced that before. Yeah. And what does it mean? 
You know, I, yeah, like, I don't think I was very considerate of that. I was never the guy that didn't call. I would usually just let it explode into some drama. I seem to be, you know, not, I, I'm, I'm a real drama addict. Like, you know, it mm. needs to blow up. You know, things have got to get shitty. <laughs> Off the top of your head, can you, are there any like Merc Marin greatest hits breakup like scenarios, like places where you broke up with somebody or? I, I, it never, there's never a clean break. <laughs> are you friends with any exes? No. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, way back, but not mm -hmm. the wives. No. Right, right, right. Yeah, there's a couple back there that, you know, I, I see now. We're old <laughs> people now. You know, you know, when you have something with somebody in your 20s and all of a sudden you're coming up on 50, you're like, nah, what's up? You know, there's yeah. a pretty, like a, a couple. And my first real girlfriend, she emailed me today because I was on the cover of the alumni magazine and she oh. saw it. And then uh, there's a girl up in Seattle and uh, who I talk to occasionally. I haven't talked to her recently. She's a welder. You know, right. it, she was it, on your podcast, right? No. no. Oh, no. Or, I don't know who was on. Who was on? Did I have an ex on? I, um, so. I feel like I've heard, heard you talk about. Oh, yeah, right. She was. Oh, okay. Did, you, did we record something? Did, I, I, way I back, so. right? Yeah. Uh, it was a long time ago. Right. She didn't want to talk about some stuff. Right. 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 In Seattle. Right. Yeah. Uh, I was yeah. going to say, how many welders did you date? Yeah, that's right. Forgot. Forgot. Um, dramatic breakups. It's not a matter of places where it happens, but usually what happens is you know, I'm trying to get out and somebody won't go away. So the drama is sort of like, you know, why don't you, why are you here? Like I've broken up with people and then they come to my house and they're mm -hmm. like, I'm not letting you break up with me. I don't, what, what, what am <laughs> I doing wrong? You know, and then there's that drama. This, this could be a terrible idea, but could we end the podcast with a, with a, with a fake breakup? Sure. What, who's playing what part? What's the improv? Um, I, uh, like you said, let's say you, um, like what would be, what would be the circumstance? Like if I was to like come to your house and be like, I don't, I don't want to break up. Like, like would there okay, be so I've broken up with you and you've thought it over yeah. and, uh, you're just not okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. You want to try that? Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. All right. This feels terrible I'll start, theater. I'll start, I'll start it. Hey, why are you? Hello. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, hi. Hey. Hi. What? What's up? Hey, um, Mark. I I know that. I know that we hadn't, we were at Pierre's. You said that it'd be best for us not to see each other we, anymore. We just we just broke up. I I know, but I I I went back home and I put on that Sonics record. Yeah. Um, you know that record that we really connected to, sexually okay. too. Yeah. Okay. And um, I was thinking that. We really shouldn't let this go. This is a really good thing that we have going. And yeah, I, 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 I know we talked about that, that. I'm just not like, I can't do it. I can't do it right now. I'm not like, I, I don't have like, I don't have the same feelings. And, you know, you know, well, I, I'll wait. I'll wait it out. I'll wait. What, you're going to wait feelings. on my porch. Well, no, I don't. I don't mean literally. I right, just okay, mean like, right, like we, we can just be let's just let's make okay. it more casual. OK, fine. All right. Fine. So I will, you know. Like, just, you know, give me some time and, you know, I'll, I'll be in touch. I'll be in, I'll be in touch. Uh, well, can't we just still see each other? Can I spend the night? No, I, I can't. I, I just, I, no, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. Please. No, you've got to, me. you got, we just went through this at the restaurant. 
You you just have to give me some space. Mark, it's me. It's me. I know that. I know. I know. How could you let me go? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) All right. All right. Come come on in. (laughs) Thank you. Don't cry while we're fucking. Okay. Can we can I have some tea? So are we we're going to make it work? I don't know. Mark. What? On my way home. Yeah. After you broke up with me. Yeah. I drove over a bridge. Oh, don't put not, that. Don't put that on me. Not off a bridge, but I drove over a bridge. Yeah. And for a second, I thought I should just veer left. I should just fly off the bridge. But that's and, not that's not really my problem, is well, it? How I is mean, that my problem? It's not your problem, but maybe it's the problem yeah, I mean, because a relationship is so no, good no, no, and so healthy no, it, that if I lost it, I will kill myself. You need help. I will kill you myself. Need, you, you need help. You need help. You need help. And then they got married. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. All right. Hey, everyone. That was the show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Please uh, continue to, if you haven't already, um, well, I mean, this is very presumptuous, uh, donations, and you get something for them. Um, If you would like to support the show, uh, you can do that in several different ways. Uh, one way is a monetary way, which which helps us out a whole lot. Uh, you go to uh, feralaudio.com, click on the donate button. If you donate uh, $10 or more, I'll send you a postcard. If you donate $50, I'll send you a painting. Um, that takes a little bit, a lot longer. Um, but uh, send me, you send me an email with what you'd like me to paint you, and I will mail it out to you. Um, also, we're still doing our funniest amount of the month. I just got a really funny one, uh, which is which may be the winner. But if you think that you know the funniest amount to donate, that can be a lot. It can be a little. Uh, donate that. The winner of that gets like a special prize. This month, it's a painting, an original painting with all of the guests from this month. So you can still do that for a couple of weeks. Uh, donate your funniest amounts. Also, um, if you have any questions, occasionally we answer questions on the podcast. Email this feels terrible at gmail.com. You can also just email me with normal questions. I do get to every single email. Um, and, uh, lastly, uh, and, uh, maybe most importantly, I don't know, uh, if you haven't already reviewed the podcast on iTunes, that really helps us out. If you'll go on there and review the podcast, I hope that you like it. Maybe if you don't like it, you could send me an email and I'll, I'm real, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I was about to say. Uh, I was like, I'll change it because you don't like it. But no, that's dumb. I'm not going to change it. Though I do, there have been some constructive things in the iTunes reviews that I have listened to, though uh, it would be better for you to email me those constructive things than to put them on the the thing. Anyway, that's dumb. Um, Okay. So anyway, I would like to shout out to, look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said all that. Put whatever you'd like in the iTunes review. I don't want to tell you what to do. I will say that it makes me feel really good when people post nice things, obviously, because I'm a human being. Um, And I look at the iTunes reviews obsessively and they make me feel good or really bad, depending. Um, But mostly good. They're only like, I don't know what I'm saying. Dustin, I'm spiraling. I'm spiraling. Um, Okay, I'm just going to read out the... 
Uh, I'm going to shout out the people who reviewed on iTunes. Thank you, Sarah R. Thank you. Oh, no, it's by Incredible, but the subject Sarah R. Um, Vacuum Man. Thank you, Jay the Last Man. Thank you, Puxled. Thank you, Beach Smoker. Thank you, Cameron the Crippled. Thank you, Aaron QH. Thank you, Love E. Uh, thank you, Summers in Pennsylvania. Thank you, number one fan, question mark. Thank you, Master Specht. Thank you, Mr. Blarg. Thank you, Rick Peavy House. Thank you, Megan Jaw. And I, I believe that catches us up. So if you uh, if you review, I'll, I'll, I'll say your name on the podcast. Thank you a whole lot. I love you guys. You guys are real cool. And, uh, you know, let's let's really let's have a great time also you're Dustin what were you telling me yesterday lean into your problems <laughs> or don't run away from your don't run away from your okay which I think is which I was thinking about this morning don't run away from your destruction destructive emotions and thoughts don't turn your back on who you are love yourself which I think is great advice. I am um, more overweight right now than I'd like to be. My, I'm, and I'm gonna love it. I'm also gonna work on it. Okay. Well, I think I think I understand. I think I understand what to do. Also, I leaning into my instead of this letting this back thing just kind of instead of ignoring it. I'm dealing with it and I'm loving the back problem <laughs> or I'm, I guess I need to research what this means a little bit more. Anyway, thank you guys. Have a great week. <laughs> Do you guys hear Fiv? We need small businesses and right now they need us. So Verizon is connecting big names and entertainment with small businesses around the country. Verizon brings you pay it forward live a weekly live stream featuring big names in entertainment to support small businesses. Tune in every Tuesday and Thursday on at Verizon's Twitter or Twitch, Yahoo and Files Channel 501 at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Small businesses need us now more than ever.